Yo, what is going on, party people? How are we doing today? How is your guys' week? I hope you guys are doing amazing. I just want to welcome you guys back to the Lifting Lives podcast and just want to say that we have a great episode, great episode. Just finished recording with my, um, he's my uncle, but not like related, you know what I'm saying? Like he's like family, but not really related family. But uh, yeah, we talk a lot about, you know, just, just business, lifting, uh, working out, just like mindset on life. Um, but before we get into that episode, I want you guys, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you're not listening to Apple and you're on Spotify, go listen on Apple and go give me a rating. Not that hard and it boosts my rating so much. So I would be so happy if you could go do that. And yeah, thank you. I hope you guys do enjoy the episode. It's a long one, but you guys can bear with it because it's really good. And you guys will really just get deep into it. And yeah, I hope you guys truly enjoy and have a great week. All right, guys. So we have a special guest here today, and his name is Walter Campbell. He owns 27 Chiropractors, number one chiropractor company up in Alaska. He was a uh, number one power lifter for how many years, Walter? I took the state championship in uh, 1998, but I say I was competitive probably until 2005. Gotcha. Yeah, that's amazing. He's a very big entrepreneur, just just an amazing guy, very big mentor to me. And yeah, I want to have him on the podcast. So if you want to introduce yourself and just tell him about you a little bit, Walter. Yeah, thanks, Lane. I'm happy to be a part of it. I love what you're doing here. I love the direction you're headed in. Um, my story is a pretty simple one. I'm just a small town kid from... Uh, Fairbanks, Alaska. Uh, spent most of my formative years even farther north than that in Barrow, Alaska, which is the farthest north city in the U.S. And uh, joined the Marine Corps, came out of the Marine Corps, uh, finished my undergrad, went to grad school, became a doctor of chiropractic, and uh, through a series of uh, unfortunate circumstances, found myself without a job. And uh, necessity uh, is the mother of invention, so I found myself um, trying to figure out how to how to put food on the table for my family. And um, about 17 years later, I've got 35 clinics uh, across Alaska. About uh, 12 of them are physical therapy clinics. The rest are chiropractic clinics. I got a couple of medical clinics as well, but uh, just been really blessed. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I uh, went up there this summer and it was, it was really amazing to have conversation with you and just be able to see what you've done with your life. And it's really, really amazing. It was uh, truly inspiring, but we got a got a lot of questions for him, and we're just gonna get right into it and just uh, dive into it. So, a question I got for you, Walter, is what do you think the best way to start business nowadays, or what what is the best way you think that you could get into a business mindset nowadays? Well, I think uh, you know I wish everybody had a small business mindset because um, if you look at every American citizen as just their own individual little business, I think it's a great perspective for both the citizenry and the politicians to have, um, just like the second amendment protects a lot of our freedoms. I think if we changed our mindset a little more, not saying that you, you don't, uh, everybody doesn't have to go out and open up their own business, but if we all thought of ourselves, even if we go to work for somebody else as, uh, just the manager of our own little personal company for ourselves, if we're single or for our family, if we've got a family. But I think if you want to take the next step and actually open up your own business, I think you got to have some field that you're passionate about. You got to have uh, some part of some aspect of that field that you think you can bring something new to. And then beyond that, I would say you've got to have an opening in the market that makes sense, you know, so that you can have as, as many levers as you possibly can. Enthusiasm is probably the biggest one. So you got to love what it is that you're doing. Innovation is the other one. And so you've got to have a new wrinkle on it. And then you've got to pick a space in the market or you have a head start over everybody else. So you look for those things, I think, and then uh, we can talk about some of the other stuff, but if you've got that inclination um, and you have something like that in your life, I think that's definitely something everybody should consider. It's a lot easier than most people think in some senses. It's a lot harder than others, but you never know until you try. That's the story of life. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think it's very hard to, you know, people think it's a very hard thing to start a business, which it is, but also I think it's very hard to be happy with just a simple nine to five sometimes. And I think that it, it's really amazing to have a business or an entrepreneurial mindset. And I, I think that a lot of people could use one. And I think that it creates a lot of happiness once you break that barrier of struggling for maybe a couple of years just to get it off the ground. And um, 
yeah i mean what what made you get into chiropractor like what what made you just like fall in love with it or what made you think that it could be a business that you could get into well i, I you know i'll tell you what got me headed down the road of thinking i wanted to be my business my own business owner was just spending enough time working for everybody else and the nature of the beast when you're an employee is that a lot of times uh, your superiors will blame you for their mistakes and take the credit when uh, you do something good for the company. And spending some time in the Marine Corps, spending some time in state government, uh, I just, you know, I, I realized that was not going to be uh, what my psyche could endure. So I, even if it was going to be washing cars and, and making, you know, just a pittance for a living, I would rather do that and live on my own terms than have to kind of play the sort of uh, office politics that I would have to play to get any level of success in a, in a normal corporate or government world. So with that in mind, um, I started looking at fields that I enjoyed and I've been a personal trainer and I realized that I really enjoyed that. I'd done some teaching in college. I'd done some teaching of fitness courses and I enjoyed working with people. And so I, the natural progression uh, was, was healthcare. And then looking at healthcare, I really didn't know a lot about chiropractic. I was probably headed towards physical therapy. And the reason I wasn't, you know, going to be like an orthopedist or something and, and go into more of a high-end medical field with a lot more earning potential was I, I saw the numbers. I did a little research on so the personal lives of those folks and how much time they spend in school and how much money they have to borrow or take out to, to uh, get through school and then how long their internships are and how long before they're actually free and on their own and can apply their trade. But also what the rate of alcohol abuse was, what the rate of suicide was, what the rate of divorce was. And uh, it just seemed to me that going into that intense of a field was not good because I wanted a well-rounded life. I wanted to have time with my family. And uh, my brother's chiropractor came out to the gym where I had my office. At the time, I was working as the uh, athletic director for a small college that we had in Barrow, Alaska. And um, he came out to play basketball and we just started talking. And he told me basically that chiropractic was a lot like physical therapy. It's a lot of manual medicine, and it's, it's really working with people, but not necessarily using drugs or surgery, which I wasn't adverse to. I just wasn't interested in, really. And the biggest thing, Lane, that really kind of made the decision for me was at the time, and it's changed a little bit in the industry since. Now we have doctors of physical therapy, and they've got a little more autonomy. But there's this concept called portal of entry, where a patient uh, doesn't need to another physician to get referred to you. They can just walk in your door and be seen, which I didn't even know about this stuff. I just thought you could walk in and see anybody. But with physical therapy, uh, at the time, it was about a five-year degree. It was a, like a one-year's master's program. So four years undergrad, one-year master's. And then um, you get out into the field and you have to wait for an MD or a DO to refer patients to you. And that just blew me away. And like I said, you know, this is 20 some odd years ago. It's changed a bit since then. But he basically said, a chiropractor doesn't have to do that. And so it just tied right back into the whole reason I wanted to be my own business owner anyway. I didn't want a boss, and I didn't want another physician telling me when and how I could treat patients. If I was going to get into the field of treating patients, I wanted to open up my doors, hang a shingle, and start treating patients. So that's why I got down that path. Yeah, that's really amazing. I mean, it's kind of crazy how, and I think something that I got to realize and a lot of young kids got to realize, you something you do with your whole life, like what you do now and what you do, you opened up your business. Like how old were you whenever you like got into that idea? Like you didn't even know what was, what that was and how old were you whenever you like learned about physical therapy or like all that chiropractic stuff? I think when I started down that road, I mean, I'd been in the Marine Corps. I was in infantry. I was with the recon unit. Then I got into heavy equipment. Uh, I'd been in a band for about a year before that down in <laughs> Seattle. So, I mean, I bounced around. I think everybody needs to do that. I had just kind of started getting into undergrad. And I want to say the light bulb went off for me about 23. And yeah, um, exactly. by the time I was 26, I was in chiropractic college. Yeah. So, I mean, like, that's that's really amazing how, like, I think that we got to realize, too, is we don't have to have everything figured out, like, right right away. I mean, it's very nice, but like something you do and you figured out you did for your whole life, and you started your whole business around it. You didn't even realize that till 26 years old or, you know, 23 years old. And I think a lot of us got to realize we have to focus on ourselves and focus on who we are. And, you know, maybe that'll come and, and just leave it to God sometimes. And I think that, that it's kind of, I think we, we rush it too much sometimes. 
to, you know, try to force something onto ourselves that we aren't truly in love with. And like you said, with the enthusiasm, I think that we try to do something and we force something it, that doesn't we're not enthusiastic about and we don't truly love. And I think we just got to let God take the hand and just say, hey, um, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let God do his thing yeah. and let him bring it. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's kind of like a relationship. Uh, you know, some people are lucky and the first one's the one. Some people know the career they want to do when they're in middle school and that's what they do and they're happy and they're successful. Other people, I think, kind of need to have some experience with different relationships, figuring out what they want. And then by the time they find that special person, they know. They know the, there's a certain thing that transcends everything. It's instinctual because you've already experienced the things maybe you didn't like. And here comes this person that's got all the things that you do and none of the stuff you didn't. That's kind of how it was with the career. And I'll just tell you, I had no plans on, uh, on opening up you know, a chain of clinics uh, or any of that stuff. That just came down the road as opportunities presented themselves. My, my big plan, I thought, when I was going through college and everything, was to work a few years uh, for the doc that owned the practice in Barrow and then find a professional building down in Anchorage or Fairbanks or something and then buy that and have the other tenants sort of pay my lease, you know, and I thought that was a kind of a, you know, it was a, it was a way to get kind of a leg up, you know, reduce some of my yeah. overhead. I'd build some equity in a property, but that was my big master plan if I could get that done. And that's as far down the road as I saw. But if you play the game kind of like chess strategically and you keep options open, then whatever comes down the pike, you're going to be able to respond to. And if it's a good opportunity, you can take advantage of it. So you don't necessarily have to have it all planned out. But I would say, you know, think strategically. Yeah, of course. I think think have goals and have plans, but just got to, you know, capitalize on the uh, opportunity that comes to your hand whenever it does. Um, oh, and what you were saying, I mean, I don't want to get away from this too quick. I know we're going to talk no, about it later, but what you were saying about letting God lead the way, I mean, that – that goes part and parcel. I don't think I'd have any of the success I had in my life, whether it's with personal relationships or the businesses, had I not, you know, come back to God in my life. I kind of struggled with it in my youth to finally figure out what path I was supposed to be on and really make that relationship work. But I, I just think that's key. I mean, there's really nothing successful in my life that would be the way that it is without God. Yeah, exactly. I think that's such a big part in a lot of people's lives. I mean, especially something like family owned or whatever it is like, I don't know. It just it's just so amazing what kind of opportunities God gives you and it is so amazing what he he brings into fruition once you like follow him and truly follow him. Like a lot of times I can stray away from him and you'll see my my goals and how I and my enthusiasm and all that stuff just like slowly get go to different places and different topics, but if I f truly follow him, then he puts me in the right mindset and he puts me to, you know, have these opportunities and bring me to these people that, you know, further my, my mindset and further my ability to go with whatever I want to do in my life. Absolutely. Really amazing. Yep. But we'll uh, transition a little bit since, you know, you, you, all these businesses and stuff, what do you think is the best way to invest your money or like, what's the best way that you have invested your money in this past couple of years since you've grown up your business? Well, and, and here I'll be pretty conventional in my advice. And that would be, um, the younger you are, the more risk you should have in, you know, in the generic, let's just say your portfolio, right? Whatever portfolio is, is basically just the different things that you're investing your time or your money into that you want to see have some sort of a yield over time, right? So you could be buying a house, it could be your education, uh, it could be starting a business, it could be a, a you know, 401k or an investment fund, whatever, any of those things. So when you're younger, you have some time to get back on your feet if something knocks you down. And you know, just as an aside, there's this great clip from, uh, I want to say it's Rocky Six, Rocky Balboa, where he's talking to his kid and he's talking about life is about not how hard you can hit, but how hard you can get hit. And if you haven't seen it, I would recommend anybody who's listening to this go out and watch that clip because that's the most succinct 30-second description I've ever heard on what life is about. And it ties into to everything else is uh, you just have to be able to stick around. Well, the same thing works for investing. And when you're younger, you've got more flexibility. So you can take some bigger risks. And if they don't pan out, as long as you can take the hits, then as time goes on, some of them will pan out. And as you get older, obviously, I think it makes sense to dial in the risk a little bit and start looking at some more safe bets. But the biggest thing I could say is just be diversified. You know, even if you're, if you're working for somebody else and they've got a 401k plan or whatever, 
that's great, but get a side hustle, get some other things going on. Um, property is a great way to go. A lot of people, you know, you can screw up in property and still, and still have money there in 10, 15 years and still be come ahead. You can do a lot of things wrong in property. And just because building costs are not going down, everything that costs something today is going to cost more tomorrow. That is just the way of the world, whether it's the dirt that the building is on or the materials or the labor that was used to build it. So that's a great one to get into. Maybe when you're young, you buy a duplex or a triplex with your first home loan and you and your wife live in one part of it and you rent out the others and these people are paying your mortgage. So you're not necessarily making a bunch of cash every month, but that investment, the equity is gaining every month and your tenants are paying for it. And none of it is for free. Obviously, it all takes work and stress, but look for things like that. But then don't put all your eggs in one basket. You know, look at other ways to invest. And if you're inclined to start your own business. Yeah, of course. I think that's really amazing. I think a lot of young kids don't get the opportunity to learn about investments and learn about how to actually, you know, diversify their money and their investments. And I think that's something that is such a strong message is about how anything that, you know, is worth today, it will be more tomorrow. And I think that's what people got to realize is we have to is for me, I look at it as I don't like having money and just sitting in the bank. I want to invest it. I want to, you know, do things that will grow and and my uh, my worth will be higher tomorrow than it will today. But I see as it sits in the bank that it will not be worth as much. It will go down. Well, especially the times we're living in now. I can't think of, I mean, that's a the best description I can think of an inflationary period like the kind we're living in now is your money in a bank is not doing you any favors. It's worth less every day. So whether it's crypto, whether it's stocks, whether it's property, you know, it's a good idea in times like these, especially uh, even if you're in a more conservative, you know, timeline on your investment path, when, when the world is in a timeline like we're in now, you got to identify that and jump on it and start moving your money. Now, having said that, I still think having some sort of a savings is good. You know, it's always good to have a couple months stored up to get you by if something knocks you off your feet. But if you're too frugal and you are sitting on too big of a pile of capital, um, there's other things you could be doing and you just don't know from day to day what that dollar is going to be worth. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, that's a great message. I think that anybody that's listening to this, you know, go out, try to, try to learn about investments, especially younger. The younger you learn about investments, the better chance you have in, in making money from it. That's why I love learning about stocks. I love learn. I want to learn about you know the real estate and all that stuff because I realize if I do it young and I get knocked down, like you said, it's not about how hard you get hit, or it's not about hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit. Exactly. And it's if if I can get hit, you know, at a young age and learn from it and and take that, and then by the time I'm 25 or whatever, I've already went through all my times of of getting hit and knocked down. Then I can get back up and and. Make some money. Well, and there and there you go. There's where the faith really comes in because I've found over my life it's not been my ability to take a hit. It's the fact that I've got God there propping me up. And as long as I am able to let him do it, he will, and I'll be around for the next one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that is that is honestly a lot of people with Christianity and all that, especially myself, if we look back at when we got saved and we look back at whenever we you know, went to God, it's in our low times and it's whenever we did get knocked down. And I think a lot of times we got to realize that. And I think a lot of times that we have to not treat God as whenever we're only down, but treat him the same as whenever begging him to help us and begging him for, for blessings. And why did God do this? Why God do that? We need to treat him the same as we do at the bottom, as we do at the top, whenever he gives us those blessings. And I think a lot of times we lose track of that, but it happens. But like you said, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, next thing we will talk about is what do you think is the best mindset to have when it comes to being successful? Like, or what do you think it's the best mindset to have like on life just to, to live your daily life? Oh, I'll tell you probably one of the biggest principles, um, that I've stressed with my kids. We do home church most Sundays. And, um, since they were very little, I've got six kids. Uh, my oldest is 22. He's a Marine. My youngest is six. And um, since my old kids, my older kids were young, I've always taught them the, the biggest thing is perspective. And what God really helps you with, I think, is perspective. Like, I was blessed even when I struggled when I was younger, finding my relationship with God. 
I still always felt blessed to be here. I, I felt blessed, you know, in the, in the grand metaphysical scheme of things, you're either here or you're not. You know, you could either have been born or not. And no matter how tough things were in my life, I just, uh, you know, I always, in the back of my mind, I always knew, hey, I'd rather be here than not. You know, so this is a tough time I'm going through right now, but what's the alternative? You know, I just, and some people I know that's harder for them to find that perspective. And so that's why I made that a really big deal. Like when I was teaching my kids at very young ages, understand that God gave you life. Don't look at him to fix everything that's gone wrong and don't look at him with resent if something doesn't go right. Remember that you wouldn't even be here without him. So start from that place and have that sort of gratitude in your life for every breath that you get to take. Then when life knocks you around and it will, or you have a setback on a goal path, you, you, you realize, you, you look around and you see everything that's going right instead of everything that's going wrong. And you do need to be honest enough to see everything that's going wrong. So I guess if you're saying, you know, what are the great uh, sort of perspectives or outlooks to have, it's that you have to be able to be honest with yourself and take stock of what you need to fix or what's not going right in your plan or what's not going right in your life without getting overwhelmed by the negative. You've got to remember that you have a chance to win as long as you're in the game. And you get this game for as long as you get it. Some people get 20 years, some people get 100. However long you've got, you're in the game and you've got a chance to win it. So if you keep that perspective, it doesn't mean that you drive blindly around the curve. You, you pay attention, you do all the things you need to do to make sure that everything's running right. But you never lose sight of the fact that there's always another opportunity or there's always a chance to take what you have and make it better. Yeah, exactly. I was um, actually listening to a, either as a sermon or, or some type of speech, but it was saying how we need to look at it in the sense that we need to have gratitude and we need to feel grateful because someone always has it worse than us. And that's how I always find my happiness. I, I look at the times that, you know, I was younger and I went downtown with my mom and all this stuff. She was doing drugs and all this stuff. And I saw all those people that had barely anything. And I saw all those people that, you know, would get one little thing for Christmas and they, they lit up wherever I can get like 15, 20 items. And that's what I think if you want to achieve happiness and you want to achieve that, you know, sense of humbleness, then you need to be grateful for what you have. And I was actually going to do an episode here soon about perspective and perspective on life and just like look at what you have and look at how grateful you need to be and look at the opportunities you have been given and don't and don't complain about it don't sit there and say oh i can't do this because this is going on or i can't do it like look at what god has given you and look at like for me i have computers i have a friend i have a very nice house you know i have a great family so there is no use of me complaining about some little friendship at school or some little something that didn't go right that day and so, like you're saying about perspective, it's, it's really a lot on how your mood is and how you will carry yourself in life is how, what kind of perspective you have on yourself. And I mean, you got to realize this, of course, every, somebody will have it better than you at all times. You may, you know, you may be less than somebody else, but you have to realize is that you are so blessed and that you have so many opportunities. So you have to capitalize on those opportunities. And like you were saying about how you're still in the game at all times, you have to get back up even whenever you're knocked down because someone always has it worse than you. And that's where I found my happiness and that's where I found my joy is that I, I'm grateful for what I have and grateful for the opportunities I have been given by God. Well, and I got to say, you know, you're, you're interviewing me trying to draw some lessons out of my success in life, but, you know, you are an inspiration to me and everything that you've had to overcome and the path that you're on. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons I agreed to do this and uh, why I was just uh, thrilled to talk to you and hear how things are going in your life because, I know what you've had to overcome and the struggles that you've had to go through, and you've done it all with a smile on your face, and every day is better than the one before. And that's the kind of motivation that gets me going and, and makes me take a look around and say, well, maybe I'm being complacent because here's this kid, and everything he's had to do, he's, he's getting out and doing it. So that it's perspective again. It's like in, instead of even necessarily looking at the folks that have it worse than you, you can look at the guys that, that are overcoming more, let's say, that are succeeding, and, and that can get you the jazz. But um, I have to tell you, the flip side of it all is if you have a perspective of resentment and envy, you know, there's so much wisdom in the Bible and there's just so much, and there's plenty of good books. And I will tell anybody who's wanting to start a business, um, the title of it escapes me right now, but there's a great book. Uh, I think it was done by a Mormon guy. I'm not sure, but it was about um, sort of lessons from the Bible applied to business. And, and there's been several of them. Uh, this guy did a big, uh, I think like a two or three hour video that you can find on YouTube going over his book. But I took that into 
home church. And we went through that book with all my kids one year and it was fantastic. But a lot of the lessons have to do with the idea that if you are so obsessed with what the other guy had, and you'll, then you'll never be happy. Not only that, you know, this, this is why one of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not covet. I mean, covetness and envy and jealousy and resentment, this is what leads to the downfall of societies. I mean, you can watch it. I don't want to get political, but you can watch it in some of the political ideologies that are out there right now. And as far as I can tell, Lane, they're, they're just built 100% on resentment and envy and covetness. And you, you've got to be able to be happy at the end of the day with yourself, your relationship with God, your relationship with your family, all of that, no matter what your ultimate success is in business or athletic endeavors or whatever. And the, the irony is, if you are, more than likely that success is going to come anyway. And if you're not, it'll never be enough however much you get. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree with that. Um, I have a question for you. So what do you think is the best way to get out of like a, like a slump or like some, you know, you go on, you're very, very motivated. You, you go for, you know, months or whatever, and you're really doing great. And then all of a sudden you just don't feel as motivated or you just don't feel like yourself as much. And how, how do you think, you know, maybe you've had this multiple times in your life, but how did you get out of your slumps or your times where you didn't feel like doing anything? Well, and I've had a few times that I tell you, that's something I worry about with my kids just because they, they've had a pretty good life that way. And I, I always tell them, like you said, when we started this conversation, you talked about you really don't find your faith until you've been struck low and you realize there's nobody that can help you other than God. And um, I've had a few times like that in my life. I mean, I remember the very first clinic that I opened. It was out in Bethel, Alaska. I um, took all the money that I had saved up, put everything into it took out a big ad in the paper back when people read the paper and um, for a big full page ad for an open house and literally no one showed up. It's a town of 5,000 people. I mean, the paper might've had 10 pages in it and one of them was a full page of my grand opening <laughs> and not one person came. <laughs> no, I was still seeing patients. I had a few patients or whatever. And uh, that was in October. And then we get to the week of Thanksgiving and I was going to, and I was living apart from my family, not, for any personal reasons other than this was uh, this town's about 300 miles to the west of where I live. And so I would fly out there for two weeks. I would come home for four or five days, see my family for a day or two, drive about four hours to another place where I would treat patients for two days, come home, get another day or two with my family, and then I'd go back out to the, the clinic. And so I was really running two or three clinics kind of. And um, anyhow, uh, I was down to my last dollar. I mean, basically I was out of money and None of uh, any of the insurance work that I'd done had come in yet. The uh, open house was obviously a bust. <laughs> and I just, uh, I was at a low point. And like I had done the whole time, and I started the whole thing with a faithful heart, and I started every day with prayer. And, uh, but I, I went to my knees, and I asked God to just help me get through this. Whatever's, you know, whatever his plan was for me, I would be fine. So I guess the answer to your question is the first place I go is to God. And then when I go to God and I read Scripture, I find wisdom that gets me through, and I go back to what I think is kind of the, the mindset that you have to have is the perspective. I remember what I've got going for me. I try and take an honest look of the things that I can fix. You know, it's another great one. I don't want to sound cliche and use too many, but some, there's a reason these things are cliches because they work, right? The serenity prayer. I mean, y you want to be able to change the things that you can, but you can't struggle with the things that you can't. So you got to let God have those things that are out of control. But that doesn't mean close your eyes and let the car drive by itself. You, you still have to be honest with yourself and do the things that you need to do. So I redoubled my efforts. I, I stayed in the trenches, but I let the stress go. And so every time a patient came in, I wasn't getting nervous thinking, oh, I have to keep this patient or I have to do the best job. You know, I just let God take the worry and I did the work. And I think within like three days, uh, something like ten or fifteen thousand in in uh, insurance collections came in at the end of the week and just basically saved us because it was I think at the time it was probably costing about fifteen thousand a month to run the clinic and I was flat broke, so I didn't know how I was going to pay my rent. And I'm not saying that that you know that that came in just because I made that prayer, but what I know for a fact was when I went to God and I reset the relationship and I let Him worry about the things that were out of my control and I just focused on doing what I could do. I gave better treatment to my patients. I slept more soundly at night. I was probably a better husband to my wife and a better father to my kids. And so all those things were going right. The success was just bound to happen.
Yeah, exactly. And I think that something we got to realize, and like like you said, giving it all to God, it's as a relationship with him, He is God is our father and we are his child. And such as you being a father to your kids, if, you know, they were struggling or whatever, they come to you and they come to you and, and you relieve their stress and you relieve their stress in their daily lives. And if they are financially like um, one of your older kids, uh, the one in the Marines or something like that, like say he was struggling financially or whatever, you you know, you would relieve that stress and say, hey, it's okay. You do your job and I will help you out this time. You know, I'll exactly. help you out. And that's how God is. That is how God is with us. And we are his children. So he will help us. And you also have to realize, though, is that that whenever he may not seem like he's helping us or, you know, you may not seem like he's there with you. You got to realize is he's carrying you through those hard times and he's carrying you through those things. And he will if you stay faithful and you stay abundant in your faith, that he will gift you even more than whenever if you stray away from it. Couldn't agree more. Exactly. Well, I have since you were, you know, power lifter and you, you won the state title and all that stuff. I have some questions because I have a lot of people, you know, I'm, I'm getting into fitness myself and I'm getting into lifting and I came up there and lifted with you a couple times. And I was wondering, what do you think is the best way to get into lifting as itself? Like what, as a beginning lifter, what do you think the best way to get into lifting? Well, you know, the, we live in this great day and age of YouTube uh, where, you know, if, if you want to know about an exercise or an, an exercise program, you can find a hundred gurus and you can find a hundred different ways to do exercises. I think the best when you first start out, the main thing you want to do is just get a program and stick to it, get consistency, get used to blocking out that time every day or however many times a week. Uh, I think I remember back in the day when I was doing personal training, um, they say if you can commit to, if you can do six weeks of a program, usually you can do it for the rest of your life if you want to. Most people fall out of a program in under a month, you know, two, three week mark is when they drop off and then they don't pick it up again for six months or something on average, if at all. So the biggest thing is pick a program that you can stick to. And that usually means don't get too aggressive. Don't go in there and think you're going to spend two hours in the gym, five days a week or whatever, and burn yourself out. Like anything else, you, it's going to be hard work, but it's got to be fun and interesting if you're going to keep doing it. Now, having said that, when I got into it, I picked up, uh, or someone got me actually, uh, Schwarzenegger's book, um, Encyclopedia of Modern Bodybuilding. Even though I wasn't a bodybuilder, I was more of a powerlifter even when I was in high school. It was a great book, had a ton of different exercises in it, and explained the basics. And I would say whether you do it on YouTube or you go out and buy one of those kind of books, and there are many of them out there, get something that gives you, if it's weights that you're into and you want to get into resistance training, get something that can give you a broad-based foundational overview of this very simple concepts because there's a lot of high-end science and there's a lot of real sharp, cutting-edge training things that you can do. But at the end of the day, it's a very simple premise. You lift heavy things, you get bigger and stronger. And it, you got to stay with the simple, but once you get the simple down and you're comfortable going into the gym, then you start adding in, you know, kind of more th things to sharpen your technique or get you a little bit of an edge or just to keep it fun. But the basics are what you need. You don't just go in blind. And if you've got a friend that lifts and is successful lifting, pair up with him, ask him or her to bring you into the gym and explain what they're doing. The best thing in the world is to have a training partner. Even better than that is to have one that knows what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. I think that a lot of people, whenever they start getting into lifting, they like see all these, you know, TikTok guys and all these YouTubers that, you know, are really big and they think they have to replicate exactly what they're doing. And I think that it is like have that workout plan and have everything that's going on. But you got to realize is that hit your main muscle groups and that's the stuff that's going to be the biggest, like you said, the foundation is Absolutely. the biggest amount of growth. Yeah. You have to hit the the big muscle groups, and you cannot once you once you get into like you know two or three years, you know once you start really getting into fitness, then you can fine tune exactly you know maybe a lower chest or you know upper pec, whatever it is, or you want to hit your front delts, like then you can truly like get into like focusing on things. But you don't whenever you first start, you just need to hit the foundation. You need to build that you know just overall muscle in that sense. I guess I would say if I was going to get specific, if if you could do Dips, pull-ups, squats, deadlifts. I mean, just three or four exercises. If you, if you get somebody to teach you how to do, um, you know, the, uh, the, the clean and jerk and the snatch, you know, a couple of quick, powerful movements, those five or six exercises right there, man, I mean, you, could, you can get so much of a foundation. 
and even, you know, I've been doing this now for, gosh, more years than I like to think about, but probably about 33 years I've been lifting weights and, uh, I, I still, uh, once a week hit the bench press once a week, hit the squats, uh, once a week or once every other week do some form of deadlifting, uh, or dips pull-ups or pull-downs. I mean, there's just a certain core movements that you can't get away from. You got to do these things to build the big muscles. And when you build the big muscles, you build the smaller ones too. Yeah, exactly. So that's all I was about to say. What do you think? I'm about to go hit legs after this. And so what do you think is the best two or three leg workouts compare it for quad? That's it. And then what what do you think the best quad focus or leg focused workouts would be? Well, I tell you, I mean, I just started uh, incorporating a safety squat bar and, um, that's, I mean, I used to do front squats and, uh, front squats were great. I mean, if you could get disciplined, you know, good form, good technique, front squats, especially I could never get really comfortable with the Olympic lifter grift, you know, when they do the, the, um, clean and press and they, and they flip the wrists back, but that's really the best way to position the board if you're doing front squats. And that's why I say, I mean, if you, if you can get somebody when you're first starting out to teach you the Olympic lifts, the explosive power that you develop from those exercises transcends every exercise you're going to do. But this safety squat bar that I just started using is great because it kind of acts, even though the bar rests on your back, it rests higher up, it brings the center of gravity more forward like a front squat. And I find that that definitely hits the quads pretty well. Then you've got, you know, hack squats. Um, even a good leg extension machine can hit the squats or can hit the quads pretty thoroughly. But I always like to do, even if it's focused on the quads, whether it's front squats or using the safety squat or hack squat, whatever, some sort of squatting movement. I always like to have that carryover because even if I'm not powerlifting, just in life, you're you're more often than not just not going to be extending your leg for some reason. You're going to be squatting down. So you want the power to you want the exercise you're doing to give you power in a movement that's relative, right? That's something that you'll actually do. Yeah, exactly. I, I completely agree. Um, yeah, I think leg, I think legs are one of the most important, important muscles in the, in the body. I think a lot of people miss them and don't like them. I'm, I'm starting. Well, they you know, say you want big arms, just... you work, you work your legs. I mean, that's the thing you get, you get more growth hormone, you get more stimulus to the overall body because those lower body muscles are the biggest muscles in your body, basically. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, uh, I think that's something I've tried to stay disciplined with and I've learned that. And, uh, so I have another question for you. So do you think that, you know, whenever it comes to working out and all that stuff, do you think like with muscle growth, growth and all that, do you have to have like a really, really like to the, to the core, uh, diet, I guess, or like, you know, chicken rice, like, do you, do you think it's, you know, what do you like, think about diet? It kind of depends on your on your stage in life. I mean, the, the biggest thing that I've found, and I've never used any um, uh, performance-enhancing drugs or anything like that. I, I don't necessarily, you know, you get pro athletes that have millions and millions of dollars on the line and everybody in their field is doing it. I'm, I don't make a moral judgment about that necessarily, but um, I, I make as a physician, I can make a healthcare you know, assessment of it, and I would say it's, if it's not worth the risk, don't do it. And um, there's so much progress, and there's a lot to be said about genetics. You know, some people are going to top out in different areas. Some people are going to be hard gainers. Some people are just kind of, you know, they touch a little weight, and they're going to gain, you know, five inches on their chest. But within all that, you can get so much done just by eating a good, balanced diet and getting good nutrition. I mean, I would say very simply, a good multivitamin and a good adherence to protein. That's the one thing I think I've noticed over all my training is if I'm getting adequate protein, I usually make good gains. I don't grow like I did in my late 40s, like I did in my 20s. But if I'm not getting good protein in and I'm hitting it hard, I tend to plateau and stall out quicker. So that's probably the one that people, I think, um, make the biggest mistake. And then if, you know, if you're a person that's um, a little heavy and you're wanting to get lean in addition to gain muscle, then I would say you know, don't eat the empty calories if it's not actually helping you. Uh, if it's not putting on muscle or helping you process the muscle or giving you good nutrients, then don't don't eat it. You know, cut out the junk. And then there's other people that you know they have a hard time just putting on any weight at all, and maybe they can afford. Maybe they even need a little bit more uh, calories in their diet. But the biggest thing is probably just getting adequate protein and eating often enough. And then of course rest. You know, you, you can't go in there tired or you get out of it what you put into it. Yeah, exactly. So what do you think is the best kind of, you know, 
what would you eat before a workout, carbs wise, protein wise? Like, what kind of foods would you eat, and then what would you, what do you usually eat afterwards? Things that are, if you wanted to get an energy boost, things that are easy to process, like a half a cup of coffee, maybe a half of an apple. You don't want to put a lot of stuff in your stomach if you're training hard because your body's going to be spending that time and energy diverting blood to the small intestine, working on digesting that stuff. Um, I think, you know, the main thing is get the protein in in an acceptable amount of time after the workout so that you don't miss the window. Because once you tear down the muscle, the body is looking for the building blocks to rebuild because you, you've told it, hey, we need more of this. Go build more of this. That's what you're doing when you're lifting weights is you're, you're speaking a language to the body where you're telling it that it's got to make these things bigger or these weights are going to keep crashing down on us. And it's going to go and look for those building blocks. And most of the time, you've got about a two-hour window after you start tearing down muscle where it starts looking for things to build and if it doesn't find it, if there's a stop order, that's it. Uh, we'll see you next week. You know, it's, it, it, it's gone. So that's the big yeah. one. Pre-workout, I mean, you know, there's all kinds of stuff out there on the market. I would just say, especially if you're young and on a budget, you don't need all that stuff. The older you get, you know, coincidentally, the more you can afford to spend some money on some supplements and try some different things. Um, and see if they help your workouts and make sure that they're safe. And most of them that are over the counter are relatively safe. They've been tested. But um, when you're young, you've got, you know, your body under the age of 25, everything is in your favor in terms of building as much muscle as quickly as you can. You just have to show up, eat a balanced diet, and get plenty of sleep. Yeah, that's, a, that's what I was just, that's what I want to ask you about. I know you have a lot of knowledge about it. But I have one story to tell you that I don't know if I told you or not when I was up in Alaska with you this summer. So it was like nine in the morning and I don't, I'm not one for, you know, trying all those crazy, you know, smell salts, all this like crazy stuff that, you know, just to like enhance your lifting experience or whatever. And so it was like nine in the morning and I, and you have some type of smelling salts oh, and yeah. I went in there and they are insane. And I only got it in one nose, but I, I was, it was terrible it was crazy <laughs> you know i don't know who put those out there because they aren't mine but i did and i all you know a lot of powerlifters use them um i never did i just didn't appeal to me and i i was usually amped up enough i kind of psyched myself out mentally before a big lift and i actually just funny you say that man i just tried that the other day i think i was i was under like 415 on the bench or something and it was right at my limit i thought ah, i better go out to you know give us a try it's been sitting out here for a year yeah. Yeah, and it, it does not smell good. I don't know whether it helped my lift or not, but it makes you want to get the heck away from it. <laughs> That's yeah, I started jumping. It was not I've never woke up so fast in my life. <laughs> yeah, you, you put in the time when you were out here, man, you, you were religious about it. It was great. Oh yeah. I tried to be. I mean, it, it's it's a big thing for me. What do you what do you think that um lifting wise, what kind of mindset do you think you should have going into the gym like like even starting either a couple of years, you know, like, like, what do you think the best like way to like have a mindset, like not ego lift or whatever? What do you think it is? Well, I mean, if you're lifting for looks, um, you know, and I think even, you know, even when I was powerlifting, I'm, I'm sure I'm still thinking about, you know, the aesthetics. I want to look a certain way. I'd say it's a lot of the same stuff that we talked about when building a business applies, you know, you're going to have setbacks. You can't let them ruin. You got to stay positive. You got to stay focused, keep good perspective. But I think, and this goes the other way with business too. If you can have a good vision of what you want. So I used to tell my sons when they were just getting into lifting, I said, you know, look at different things. Look at like a fantasy hero or look at another bodybuilder or a pro athlete or whatever. Find a body type that you would like to have and then keep that image in your mind. And I almost promise you, you're going to end up there. You know, subliminally, you're going to do the things. If, if the, the body type that you think you want to have has really broad shoulders and, you know, well-defined delts, you know, like pauldrons, um, you're going you're gonna to find yourself doing more side raises, doing more presses. It's just going to happen because as you look in the mirror, if you're not getting what you want, you're going to do more of that. You're going to be focused on it. Something we should talk about, though, too, Lane, is that it's not always quantity. You know, it's, it's quality. And if you find you're stalling out on any program, the, it's like I always tell my kids when they're driving the car, if they start to slide or whatever, whenever there's something up, first thing you do is let your foot off the gas, right? Same thing with training. If you've been stalling out, for whatever reason, especially if you find that you're dreading going into the gym, take a few days off, take a week off. You're not going to lose that much ground, but you're going to recharge your batteries. Maybe you need to give your body more time to heal in between workouts. A lot of people actually 
the problem they end up finding is it's not so much that they weren't training hard enough. Most of those people don't last very long in the gym either. They're just not as goal focused. It's that they're training too hard. They want it too much. They want to give everything they have. And the body can only give you back so much. And every once in a while, you got to give it a break. And the brain is the same way. Yeah, exactly. I think that um, it's something very hard. And uh, something I've learned is that you have you burn out very fast with like just in general. Like burnout is such an easy thing to like have. And I mean, you have to realize it's like something I, I was I, I was reading reading a book or something like that. And it was uh, it was telling me how if say you watch a TED talk, right, or a, or a Netflix show or whatever it is. And you really love watching those tech talks and say you're cleaning your room every day and you watch a you watch a YouTube video or a TED talk every single day. Eventually you're gonna get bored of it. And but at first you were really in love with it. So like lifting, at the first six months you're probably gonna feel like such amazing and you're probably gonna feel in love with it and you know. But as time goes on and you do daily, you know, you you get in there religiously and it's like eventually, you know, you're going to have some sort of burnout. So like you said, you might have to take some time off and it resets your, it resets your mental, like your chemicals in your brain and all that stuff to say, Hey, I like it again. I like, I enjoy it. Like this is what I missed. And sometimes I think we got to learn how to take breaks and just like chill out for a second and be like, and just get the perspective back and just get like, all right, I'm not, you know, get back in that mindset and just get it done. Yep. To all things moderation. And it's sometimes hard to convince people that they need to do less to get more. But I'll never forget talking with some of my PTs very early on. And they would talk about the worst patients for them or the super motivated patients, usually the like the the uh, up and coming professionals, you know, the hard chargers. And you, you couldn't get these people, you know, they would be training and working when they were outside of the treatment session. And, uh, you know, they their mind was they were trying to do right that but they were pushing it way too hard and they were setting themselves back. And it's just, it's an almost counterintuitive concept, but there's a bit of a Zen to it. And once you find it, you start listening to your body. And if your body's telling you or your mind's telling you it's time to stop, same thing, take a break and recharge. Yeah, exactly. What do you think is the optimal time for being in the gym or like, you know, a hard training session, like really focused and dialed in? Like, what do you think is the ultimate, ultimate, Time, you know, they, they've done some studies on this, and I think um, what they've come up with is it's usually like, you know, three, four hours after being up or something like that, but not too late in the day. Um, there's some great stuff out there on circadian rhythm and stuff like that. But, you know, functionally speaking, you can lift when you can lift. And I tend to be more, you know, I, because I have a flexible, I'm, with a, where I'm at with my career, I have kind of a flexible schedule. I can plan my own mornings. I like to get out there about 9 or 10 in the morning, maybe as late as 11 and be done if I'm doing a two-a-day with my intense lifting anyway in the morning, and then if I'm going to run or do something else, maybe a second workout, then I'm not as concerned about the maximal lifts. I'll do that in the afternoon. I, that's just how I am, but some people, you know, functionally, they got to lift when they can lift. I would just say, you know, if you're on a schedule, keep, keep with it as much as you can. As much as I say you should take time off if you're burnt out, um, there are going to be days when you're not burnt out, but you're just tired. Get in there, get through it. If nothing else, you're going to get some more reps. You're going you're gonna to do some more uh, neuromuscular stimulation. You're going to figure out more about what's being in the gym is all about. And you're going to be able to, in your mind, tell yourself and check off that box that even though you were tired, you went in there and did it. You got it done. Yeah, and I feel like if you do things that you don't want to do by the by the end of the t by the end of the action and by the end of like a workout or whatever it is, reading a book, like you feel better because you achieved something you didn't think you could. And I think that a lot of people got to do that, even because in today's world, it's just a very lazy and just like you know, let's sit around watch a movie all the time and let you know. And I think we got to just say like we got to stop just like being complacent with our life and being complacent where we are and just saying I don't really want to do this, you know. Sometimes I don't want to do a podcast or sometimes I don't want to read or work out, but guess what? I know it's what I want to do. And so I know what I want to achieve and what my goals are going to be. And so if I want to achieve those things, I still have to go do them even if I don't want to. You build momentum and I'll never forget in the Marine Corps is where I probably learned this the most. I had kind of the knucklehead sergeant one time on a hike. I was struggling and he told me, you know, as much of a knucklehead as he was, he dropped this pearl of wisdom down on me and he basically said, Think of all the other hikes that you made that were tough. Every time you make one of those tough hikes, you put a little bit more extra energy in your reserves because on the next hike that's tough, you're going to remember this one when you were struggling and you made it. And it's the same sort of thing. Every one of these things you get over, 
is another building block, is another reserve of energy to where when you're tested the next time, you can look back and think, hey, I got through that. I can get through this. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what we got to realize is like we got to stop putting barriers on ourselves. I think mentally a lot of times that we sit there and something that I've, I've, you know, I've struggled with a little bit with myself is like, like not thinking you're good enough or not thinking, you know, you can't do that because someone else did it before you, or you can't do that. You know, you can't get through that hike or you can't get through that, you know, whatever, because, oh, I failed it before. Or, oh, somebody else has done it is doing it better than me. Absolutely. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other and it gets back to that Rocky thing. It's, uh, it's so simple and so clear. Some of this stuff, it's just having the determination and the will to stick through it. But the great thing is, the more you stick to it and the more you conquer yourself, the easier it is because you build up that inertia and that momentum and it propels you. Got you. So what – I have one more question for you. We'll, we'll wrap it up here in a minute. But what is one thing that you wish you knew as a you know 18, you know young kid, early 20s or you know young teenager? What is one thing you wish you learned or wish you knew at the age you are? Well, I tell you, I, I wish uh, just on the financial level, I think I wish I would have invested more and tried more things earlier, um, started some um, started some long term growth things, just got a little few fires going because uh, the earlier you start with stuff like that, whether it's buying property, whether it's investing in stocks or now crypto, uh, the earlier you get in, the better. And you can like we talked about, you have a lot of room for error when you're younger if you start that stuff. Um, but, you know, other than that, I mean, there's so many different lessons, um, most of which we talked about. I, the biggest key thing is if I had got in my life a little bit sooner, um, you know, <laughs> that's probably I look back yeah. on the mistakes of my youth and my teenage years and just wish I had, uh, you know, the light bulb had gone on for me there. But, um, yeah, most of it is stuff that we've, we've covered that uh, little things about perspective and little things about um, – just understanding that uh, the more you overcome the things in your life that are holding you back, the easier it is to overcome the ones that are ahead of you. And yeah, that's amazing. Well, we'll wrap it up. That was amazing. Is there anything else you would like to, you know, tell the people or just, you know, whatever you, any last words you'd like to say? No, I think we covered it all. I'll just say, like I said earlier, you know, you're an inspiration to me. I love what you're doing. Please keep it up. Uh, let me know how things are going, but, uh, this podcast is great. I hope it gets out to some people and helps them. And I hope they listen to everything that we said, most particularly about just how crucial it is to have God in your life to get to a point where you can start even analyzing some of these things the way we've broken it down. Yeah, exactly. That's been amazing. And like I end off every episode and how I end off, you know, every single episode I do make it your mission to go out there and make somebody's day better and lift them up through God and lift them up through happiness and don't bring them down. And I hope you guys have an amazing week, an amazing month. And this has been Walter and I hope you guys did enjoy.